welcome to the NCTM podcast, which will be the last one, actually, of the 2018-19 school year. My name's Steve McCormack from the NCTM communications team, and this week I visited a secondary school in Cornwall, Penrice Academy in St Austell, where they've been changing the way they teach maths in years seven and eight, in keeping with the principles of teaching for mastery. One lunchtime earlier this week, I sat down in a classroom with the two key teachers involved. So we're at Penrice Academy in St Austell in Cornwall, and we're talking to Matt Smith and Gerald Perry about mastery. So let's first of all find out what your various roles are. Matt, first, um, how long have you been teaching at all? Uh, so I only came into teaching in 2015, um, did my training here at, um, at Penrice. Um, and I've been here ever since. Um, so I'm a teacher of mathematics here, also mastery coordinator for the, the, the mastery implementation that we're doing. At the in the school. And you've also come, you're coming to the end of a first year training as a mastery specialist. Yes. We'll come to the detail of that in a moment. So you're not in your 20s. So what did you do before coming into teaching? Um, several things. So um, the last 10 years before teaching, I ran a cafe in, in Cornwall. Um, my wife's a teacher. I've seen the the, the pros and cons and decided it was something that um, really appealed to me so yeah great so next to you we've got Gerald Parry uh, what's your role here in the school Gerald? Um, I'm a head of maths and I've been teaching for 12 years um, yeah moved to Cornwall five years ago okay um, yeah. head of maths concentrating just on key stage three is that right? head of maths concentrating on key stage three yeah um, we've got because of the size of the school we've got two uh, heads of department one primarily focused on key stage three one with key stage four and how big is the school? Just give us an idea of the scale. Um, roughly, just, just under 1,500 students. So we've got, we've got 10 tutor groups in each year group, um, roughly 300 students in each year. No sixth form? No sixth form. Uh, and how many math teachers in the department? Uh, we've got 16, 16 uh, full-time math teachers. Uh, we've got some HL, HLTA as well. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we'll come to how the department works uh, a little later, but let's just get a bit of background about um, how this school began to sort of get involved in, find out about, steadily introduce Teaching for Mastery. So maybe Gerald, just give us a bit of background of how we've got where we are today. Uh, okay, so it was 2015 and I was involved in an MPQML, um, and I was, it's a middle leadership programme, and I was working with primary schools and they were quite closely linked to Maths Hub. Um, they were looking at introducing mastery um, at Key Stage 2. Um, so my project was to kind of sort of oversee that as being, because we're in a large multi-academy trust, um, I was sort of given um, the role of kind of overseeing the implementation of mastery and trying to arrange for teachers to go off on various training opportunities. In this school? Um, outside of our school, so with our feeder primary schools. So you were involved in helping feeder primary schools get involved in mastery? Initially, yeah. That, that's, that's where it all started. Okay. Yeah. Um, so obviously as part of that, I went along to the training as well. And I think very quickly, I went to see uh, Dr. Yip Ban Ha in London and very quickly sitting in on that presentation, um, a little moment of reflection and realisation that probably I hadn't been teaching maths properly myself for quite a long time. And it kind of, that, that was the spark that sort of ignited into what it's become today. So Yip Ban Ha, he's very uh, a well-known figure, uh, famous for Singapore-style maths teaching and yeah. he, he teaches and trains around the world. What was it about what you saw then which led you to say what you've just said, namely you haven't been teaching maths properly? That's, I think, what you just said. That is what I just said, absolutely. I think, I think the, the main thing was that 
the depth, te teaching for that depth of understanding and just constantly asking that question of why. And I think that there's, you know, I've covered lots of topics, uh, a range of levels throughout my career. And I think that, you know, when I was, it, it made me feel, you know, when I, when I reflected, it made me feel um, probably that a, a lot of that time has been spent rushing through content rather than just taking my time and making sure that every student leaves the lesson understanding you know, a very, it might be just a very small concept, but a very important one, and, and understanding the reasoning behind that as well. So how did that experience lead yeah. to this school starting on its path towards mastery? So as a lead within the faculty, um, you know, I came back from the training and I just thought, you know, probably if I'm getting it wrong, there could be other teachers that might be not quite hitting the mark as well. Um, and that led to me wanting to, to kind of change what we're doing at Key Stage 3. Um, and. Over the, over the last four or five years, we've, we've now moved to a point where I can confidently say we, I do feel that we're teaching for mastery now. But let's bring Matt back in. Yeah. Um, so Matt, I guess a year and a half ago or something, you found out about this mastery specialist opportunity, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So we'd been, I've been involved with, with Gerald with the, from, sort of from the outset of, of how we've implemented it as a department. Um, he's sort of put a lot of faith in me as, 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 with what we've done. Um, I think for me the light bulb moment was was first of all Gerald talking passionately about that that depth of understanding and coming from that 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 why questioning. Um, I think as it was the year that I came into teaching, it was a bit of a, a, a bit of a blank slate really. And for me pedagogically, it's going out and seeing. Um, I got the opportunity through the Maths Hub first of all to go and see some Chinese teachers who were here on on an exchange. And I think that was the first sort of light bulb moment where I could see that actually through really careful questioning and considered questioning, really well planned questioning, and getting students to sort of come to conclusions mathematically themselves was really helping them embed that understanding. Um, and that was, like I say, the light bulb moment for me. I came away from that thinking, well, I'm not sure that that model that I've seen of teaching is gonna work with the students that I've seen. Um, but I came away with it with just an under more of an understanding of how important the questioning that we do as, as, as teachers is. Um, and I think af after that, then again, I got to go and see um, Dr. Banhart um, on, a, on a training course that, that um, I was sent on and came back with that more of an understanding of how there was a model that we could look to bring into, into this school. Um, and then the year after that, the, the opportunity came up with the NCTM for the secondary mastery specialist course. Um, and we're in cohort three, and I've just just finished that first year with that. With so that just now. finish a year training, going away. We'll, we'll we'll find out about that in a moment. Gerald, when you found out that Matt wanted to go on this training course, which would which has taken him out of school for fairly big chunks of time, were you all for it? I was the one who recommended him for it. Yeah, so it, yeah, de definitely, I knew that Matt would be an ideal candidate, yeah, purely because of his enthusiasm. Um, and I think after going to see the Shanghai teachers as well, he, he did have that understanding of what it's all about teaching for mastery. And I think he really wanted to develop his own practice. Um, and so in terms of releasing him from school, I think it's absolutely 100% worthwhile. Um, and it's something that we try and do as much as possible to send teachers out on um, training opportunities outside of school. So Matt, tell us a little bit about what you've done this, this year. So let's, let's define this year. We're talking in summer 2019 yeah in the whole of the school year 1819 you've you've done this training what has it consisted of so it consisted of back in september first residential which was two days up in london with the rest of the cohort from around the country who were doing the same program 
Um, for me, going up there that first time was, I wasn't sure what to expect, didn't know where, where any other schools were. Geographically, we're definitely on a limb down, out here in Cornwall, so we can feel sometimes you're not quite sure what's going on in other schools. So I was really interested to see that, meet other like-minded um, teachers and to see what was going on with that. Um, then first started to open my eyes to, to what was available through, through the Maths Hub with the, what, what we were going to be doing over the next three years. Um, came away with that, with some homework we had to do and to go back and look at implementing different things in the classrooms. And since then we've had two more residentials over, over the year, again back in London, all getting back together, talking about what we've done individually as, as practitioners, sharing, sharing the results and the re reflections on that. Um, it's been very much about individual sort of growth and implementation over the, over the first year. Yeah, you mentioned the Maths Hub, so you're linked to Cornwall and West Devon Maths Hub, yes. which is based, sort of based at Truro, but also actually spread all over yeah. Cornwall and West Devon. Um, so ha has this year been mainly about your personal development as a classroom teacher, would you say? Um, I think that's the idea behind the, the first year, um, and it certainly has given me the opportunity to do that. I also feel, though, that where we are as a department, uh, I've had more of an opportunity and maybe been in a better position to be able to share some of what we're doing with, with the rest of the, the department and starting to share some of that best practice and starting to implement some of the ideas we've, we've come up with. But has, have you personally found, looking back on this school year, which is just finishing, that your classroom practice yourself has Un changed? Undoubtedly, yeah. yeah. And, and it's that um, sort of real focus on trying to get students to, to, to get to that conclusion themselves. And, and really planning collaboratively as a department, but also individually on, on what are those steps that are going to get them there. With that minimally different questioning, the, the variation, I think, is a real key behind what we've done through the Maths Hub over this year um, and that's led to some uh, yeah some, some real changes in how I look to progress a lesson. So. Okay so let's let's now focus on what's different in this school's maths department partly as a result of your thinking Gerald your own thinking your own research partly as a result of what Matt has brought back from this year's training. So give us a few bullet points first of all about the key things which happen in this maths department now which lead you to make that statement 10 minutes ago that you're pretty confident that in key stage three you are teaching for mastery. Um, yeah I think the biggest change initially was um, three years ago we introduced mixed attainment settings. Um, we also introduced problem solving starters in the beginning of every lesson. Um, second year, we, introduced, we, we expanded the mixed attainment settings, so we did have two nurture groups and at the lower end. Mm -hmm. um, and in second year, we realised when we did some data comparisons of students that were in those nurture groups, ones working at the very top had made less progress than the ones who were very very similar starting point in the mixed attainment sets. So we expanded it to, to our top four sets um, rather than our top three. So let's just go into detail. Yeah. Across year seven, eight, and nine now. Just just across year seven and okay. eight. Okay. Yeah. Just and and uh, so how many how many groups do you have? So so on, in each population we have six classes. Right. Um, for year one when we went mixed attainment it was sets the first three sets were, were turned into mixed attainment groups so you'd right. have a mixture of high and middle attainment prior attaining students in there um, and then we'd have two nurture groups at the bottom and um, we'd also have one one group in the middle which we we called an intermediate group. When we compared the data with the top performing students in the intermediate group with the lower ones from the mixed attainment groups, the ones in the mixed attainment groups have made much more progress. So we decided to expand it to the top four sets. So we now have four mixed attainment groups, no intermediate group, and then two nurture groups at the lower end. 
and that's in years seven and eight. In year eight as well, yeah. And in school year 1920, which we're looking ahead to, but which we might be in when people listen to this, are you going to move that to year nine or just stick to year seven and eight? We're, we're very much looking at year nine as a, a, a year where, I think, I think one of the important things to recognise is that if you're teaching for a certain way in year seven and eight, you don't want year nine to be drastically different. I think that's probably what we have had this year. Um, so we've quite recently met and spoken about curriculum, um, myself with the Key Stage 4 head as well. Um, and, and what we've decided is in year nine, it's going to be really important for that to be a transition year. So lots of the, the thinking behind the, the mastery approach that we're using in Key Stage 3 is still going to be continued in year nine, and then gradually we'll move to a more of a um, exam preparation um, sort of approach to the curriculum as we go through years 10 and 11. We have had mixed attempt, haven't we, in, yep. in year nine? Yep. So, yeah. But we're just mixing now, so we've got a higher and intermediate and a, and a foundation groups. So what would traditionally be the top two sets are mixed? What would be the middle two sets that are mixed? So in year nine. In year nine. Just yeah. a point of detail, you, you, yeah. you do consider, do you, that Key Stage 3 includes year nine or, or doesn't include year at, nine? at the moment, we're still... I'd, I'd say at the moment we're, we're still saying the key stage three is year seven and year eight. Yeah. Okay. And year and your key stage four is year nine onwards. Okay. Um, but we've recognised, you know, that year nine is it is a transition year. We're, we're calling it the exploration year. So we've got themes for each of our five years now. So year year seven is about deepening. Year eight is about broadening. Um, nine we're looking at exploring, and ten applying and, and extending as well. Um, and then obviously year 11 is consolidation of everything they've learned over the, over the previous four years. Okay, but most of what we're going to talk about yeah. in the next 10 minutes is just going to be year 7 and 8, Absolutely. is it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. So you, you, you've talked about mixed attainment. Yeah. What are the other sort of headline things yeah. that have changed? Um, collaborative planning, um, that's, that's, that's been probably the, the most significant change. I was, well, mixed attainment was a big change and that, and that, yeah. was, that was a big change for staff. You know, most of our staff have only ever seen settings in maths, so going to mixed attainment classes um, was a big step. But then we moved um, into collaborative planning as well. So I think one of the needs that we had that we identified after probably a couple of years down the road was that those problem solving starters, it's absolutely crucial that you get those right. And some teachers felt more confident than others in developing the appropriate resource. And so the department was saying to us that they, what they really wanted is, could that be something that we, we develop collectively and that we all use the same resource? Yeah, we, yeah. we tried, it, we tried yeah. with resources that are out there, yeah. um, some mastery resources that are out there. Um, and we'd use those and we'd share them. We'd, we'd generally all be teaching the same stuff. But it wasn't quite, it wasn't quite fit for the purpose that, that we wanted. Um, and we soon realised that the only way that was going to happen is if we created these resources ourselves. And that was the beginning of collaborative planning? Yeah. That was the beginning of collaborative okay. planning. Yeah. So how does collaborative planning work then in, your, in this department? Um, so it started as collaborative planning at the beginning of the year. It's, it's now moved. We call it collaborative planning and review because we've recognised that the reviewing part is, is just as important, if not more important, than the planning part. Um, so in year seven, we have a weekly meeting every Wednesday morning, which is in Matt's room, um, lovely coffee provided. Um, and, and we all come along and we will, the person that's been responsible for that unit of work, for preparing those lessons, will have the opportunity to talk to staff about this is what I've got at the moment and then we'll have an opportunity to chip in and, and share our own ideas on as to whether we think that that's the most appropriate line of questioning to use, how we think it can be improved. We'll then all go out and teach that lesson because we've got the mixed attainment sets, we're all delivering the same lesson. And quite often, 
the collaborative planning will happen outside of, or the review part will yeah. happen outside of lessons because it's break one. We've all just taught the same lessons to our year seven group that we've been talking about yesterday. So the most natural thing to do is to come back in, in here, which is where we all come for break time anyway, and just talk about how the lesson went. So it's, it's almost, it's happening on a daily basis, but we do have a, a formal weekly meeting. Um, lasting one lesson. Yeah. Lasting one yeah. lesson, yeah. yeah. That is something that staff have given up their PPA time for. Um, and the same thing for year eight? or. It will, be, it will be next yeah, year. Okay. Yeah. So, and the output of that one weekly lesson where you've got a dozen or so people sitting around the table? Yeah. Pro probably about Not six, six or seven okay. of us. Yeah. Everybody that teaches year seven. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's worth mentioning actually that yeah. the, the fact that there's, there's less staff is that another thing we've got is uh, parallel sets. So because we've got the two different populations um, and one thing that's really helped with this and I would recommend this completely to any school that was looking to implement this is being able to teach the same thing to two, to two different populations. So we've got four teachers teaching the mixed attainment sets, um, two classes each, um, and you get a chance to review it yourself between lessons as well as collaboratively um, reviewing it to, together. So the second time we teach it will often be tweaked, slightly tweaked and slightly different to the first time we've taught it as we've, we've been able to reflect on what happened in that first lesson. Um, and then we get a chance to share that as, as department as well. Okay, there's the bell, we're in the school, yeah. no, no surprise there, that's lunchtime, so how many times is it going to ring? That's, that's it, it. That's it. it. <laughs> okay. let's carry on then. So just a point of detail, um, uh, a weekly meeting where you just look at one lesson uh, and, and all teach it and then review it informally or the whole week's teaching? Now it will depend on what we're teaching. Yep. Um, for example, proportionality was one of the, the, the biggest um, things that we've tried to get in our teeth into this year. Um, and some of our first meetings on that was just about where are we going to go with this? Where are we going to start? What's our, what's our finish point? And we could one of our um, collaborative planning sessions was just planning out that, that journey. So we, we came in with different ideas amongst us about what we're going to teach first. Is it going to be multiplicative relationships? Are we going to go straight into ratio? What, where, where do we start? Um, and and that, that took up an entire session. Um, so it does have to change. Um, and there'll be other, less, other, other times where they've all gone really well. We've had a chance during the week to talk about it. So there might be less time spent on reviewing those and more time um, on thinking about what's coming up the, the following week. It's got to be really fluid, really, depending on, on, on what it is you're doing. But Gerald, you said that the review part is yeah. just as important as the planning part. Why do you say that? Because you, you, you always want to talk about what happened, and, and, and I think in an ideal world, we review every lesson that we teach is reviewed and tweaked before, um, before we move into the next academic year, because then we know the resource is going to be ready for the next team that's going to pick up the baton after us. Um, and I think that there's, there's so much to learn from that discussion as well, and different things happen in different classrooms. Different students say different things, they'll respond in different ways to questions, and just bringing that together at the end and using that to inform how we're going to make adjustments to that lesson to make it even better. There might be someone might raise a point that we hadn't even thought of, so you know, it might come from a student, and we, we really want to try and value that and plan for that to be part of the lesson next time where we think it's, you know, that there's a lot to be learned for it. So we've dealt with mixed attainment, yeah. we've dealt with collaborative planning. Each lesson has a teaching and learning model, is that right? Yeah. Tell us about that, please. Um, I think Matt, Matt's, Matt's been yeah, the yeah. expert behind that. I mean, I mean it's, it's a five-point model. It, um, it is. Yeah. So, so this came from, from both of us having been to see Banhar and seeing that the, the Singapore model of um, teaching mastery through problem-solving. Um, and I think that's where our sort of passion in, in how mastery can be implemented was. Now, 
we came back in and just tried to shoehorn this into into what was happening here and that it didn't work. Cultural differences, difference in, in the, the, the pupils that we've got. Um, we've had to just sort of change things ever so slightly as we've, as we've gone along. But the basic model is the same in that every, every lesson will start with, the, with a problem that the, the students are, are faced with. Um, so every lesson starts with that. It's there on the board. They know that when they come in, um, they're going to be talking, having those discussions about how we're going to how we're going to solve that problem, and that real focus on on multiple methods. The trying to solve one problem five different ways is better than solving five problems one way. Um, so that's how every lesson will start. Then the bit that we've, where we've really developed as, as teachers, I think, kicks in, which is where we're we're modelling those methods from the students. We're trying to get up on the board, um, something that the students can then use for the rest of the lesson when it comes on to journaling, which we'll talk about in a minute, and then being able to actually apply what they've learnt to some practice questions at the end of the lesson. Are we still in the context of the problem that was on the board? At still the in the context the of that yeah. one problem okay. that was on the board. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've, we've found different ways of solving that problem or different ways of approaching that problem. We've modelled the ones that the, the students have, have come up with. We, we try to bring the class to a, a conclusion um, on, on what we've seen. Um, and then we'll go into journaling, which is for a, a lot of people is, is what's quite different about the, the, the approach that we're trying to introduce. And talking to other teachers when being on the, as, as part of cohort three, this is the bit that, that people are really interested in finding out about. Um, and it's just a 10 minute section of the lesson where we ask them to reflect on, on their understanding of, of what they've seen in that, that first part of the lesson. We started off our first year of, of journaling with just thinking, We've seen this happen. It works brilliantly. There you go. There's, a, there's just reflect on what you've done, and, and obviously without the, the structure to work with, without having done that all through primary school, we were expecting far too much of our students. So that was our first back to the drawing board moment, um, and now we we look for specific prompts and, and, and questions that are going to sort of tease out that that reflection on the understanding that we want to see, um, and then once they've done that, once they've done those those. Okay. Journals. What, what, what is that? What do you expect them to do? Write in sentences in their book? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's quite literate. It's quite, um, we, we give them the opportunity to, to, to do diagrams, drawings, whatever's going to best suit them. Um, and that is a hurdle for some of them, um, is, is how do we scaffold it? How do we scaffold those, those questions for them to be able to even start or to approach writing that, that journal? Um, when we look back now and compare where the journaling is for our students back at the beginning of year seven, you can really see how, how they've come on. And it's just about how do we how do we do that? We found out at the beginning of this year we were we were asking too much. So it's it's that gradual build up as, as we've gone along to, to train them how to reflect and to, to think about their understanding. So roughly how far through the lesson how long are your lessons? Uh, 75 minutes. 70, an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. Roughly how far through the lesson are we once the journaling bit is so over? So we're looking at about 45 minutes by the time the, the journaling's done, roughly. After the journaling, what happens then? So then we go into the, the application. So it's um, the practice questions. So what we've learned over the last couple of years where this has developed is that it used to be um, quite a lot of questions that we put up on the board. Um, and then there starts to be, we're thinking there's a bit repetition and I think this is what's actually where I've developed most through the mastery specialist course this year is that actually less is more when it comes to questions so that, and this is the bit where we get to really plan what it is that we want to bring out with that minimally different questioning and the and the variation as we go through there um, and that would last about half an hour and take us till the to the end of the lesson so, so the problem that starts the whole thing off obviously has to be closely linked to whatever the maths content is going to be for that lesson. Yeah. 
and those are the, the all those problems are collaboratively produced. Yeah. Did I understand that correctly? Absolutely. And I think that's the, the the majority of our collaborative planning time is spent looking at the anchor task because yeah. we, we, we we know that this it's all about the anchor task. If you get that right, then you can take the lesson exactly where you want to take it. So so what will what will normally happen is we'll look at the we'll look at various anchor tasks that are coming up for the next sequence of lessons. Um, we'll all chip into that process of, of trying to get that to be exactly what we want it to be. And then usually we'll leave the member of staff responsible for that unit to go off and plan the other parts, so such as the journal questions and the practice questions. Okay, so is that is that everything con connected to the, the model of lesson, which is pretty much the same for every maths lesson in year seven and eight? Yeah, way? so we do, what we've, we've introduced again is we recognise that sometimes on some, some topics there's a need just for more application. So we'll have a, a practice lesson which is much more focused on what are all the different ways that you could see this come up and we'll try and interleaf as much as we can with previous learning and we'll start every one of those lessons with a, a distant starter so we're looking at picking out what have you done since the beginning of this year, how can we try and bring that into what we're doing here. So it's not that every lesson will be the same, but every mastery lesson, what, what our understanding or our implementation of mastery is, we'll, we'll follow that same model in every classroom. Just while we're, while we're here, do you use textbooks in the school? If so, how do you use them? Uh, um, not in Keysay 3. No. no. So, so we have purchased um, teachers' copies of, yep. of yep. The, the textbooks that we want to be referring to when we're trying to develop our questioning. Um, but we don't use them in classrooms as standard. Okay, so there's one other aspect, I think, Gerald, yeah. of the, the big picture, and that's teacher development generally. Yeah. Uh, wh why, why is that so important for you as a head of department? Um, sometimes, sometimes you'll go off and, and, and see something, go to a training session, a course, and you'll see something you feel that it's going to be really difficult to bring that back and communicate that with your team in the way that you saw it. I, I, I didn't feel confident in doing that, and I'd seen certain things out there that um, I knew um, would inspire people. Um, so I think that's that's the first part is you need to get the you need to get people inspired. Um, and I think that if you've if you've been and seen someone speak that you know can inspire, then it's really important to to send as many people as you can to to have that as well, have that opportunity. Um, I think that's the first part. The other part is, you know, reflecting on my own practice after, you know, probably eight years down the line of teaching and realising that I'd missed quite a few tricks along the way and I'd taught students quite a few tricks along the way, which I shouldn't have done. Um, you know, I think it's important for everyone to go through that same, that same process and have the opportunity to reflect on their own practice and ask themselves questions. You know, have, have I really been teaching this the best way that I can possibly teach it? That's how you get the buy-in. And, and, and we were asking a lot of our team. We were asking our team to move to mixed attainment sets. We were asking our team to give up PPA slot every week to come to a collaborative planning meeting. We were asking our team to develop the highest quality resources with lots of care and attention being you know, put behind the questioning. And there's times we've spent three or four hours um, planning a single lesson. Yeah. You know, and yeah. the, the students are getting the best deal out of all of this. And I think it's um, the training opportunities. When staff feel valued, they're more likely to, to, to come on board with you and I think that hopefully that we've got to a point now where staff do feel that they're, they're valued within the department and that their ideas are, are valued in the context of developing these these high quality lessons. Great, so that, that, that's fantastic. We've got a, a good picture of, of how the Mass Department works here now. Finally, let's just stand back and get both of your sort of broad observations about the impact of all of this, you yeah. know, on, on pupils in lessons you know 
has it all been worth it? And, and if so, what are you seeing that convinces you it is worth it? Let's take Gerald first. Um, I think the first thing we've seen is resilience. And, yeah. uh, you know, definitely increased levels of resilience when it comes to problem solving. Um, students willing to give give it a try. Now, you know, they're, they're used to, now by the end of Key Stage 3, they're used to having two years of they'll arrive at most lessons and there's going to be a problem on the board and so they're faced with that and that's the expectation is that we give them a blank sheet of paper or we'll give them a, a mini whiteboard the expectation is that everyone's engaging we've got to try and make sure that the language in the question doesn't create any barriers and it's accessible for everybody within that entertainment group um, but the expectation is that they all they all give it a go and once they've found one way of solving it then can they find another way and so when we're looking at students moving into the GCSE years and they're being faced with these the problems in the, the you know the, the new specification is throwing up, they're they're much more able to engage with it and, and try give it a try. I think that's that's the first thing that I've I've probably seen. What about you, Matt? Uh, for me, I think it's the, the the ability for them to reflect on their their understanding and how how much that helps us as teachers. So it's they can reflect on the, the progress that they're making. Um, and they can communicate that mathematically through the work that they've done through the journaling and just the general discussions that we're having in the classroom, whether that be teacher-led, pupil-led, um, during the, the problem-solving anchor task when they're just left to, to try and figure it out for themselves. Um, but also their ability to reflect on the gaps in their, their understanding that, that, that that produces makes it much easier for us to give feedback, but, but more than that, for the pupils to act on that feedback and to... Um, to use that to, to, to increase their progress. It's too early for GCSE results to, yeah. to show any of this, but are you seeing any of this in sort of in school, in school sort of low, low stakes testing or end of year testing, anything like that? Are you seeing it? Um, we've had we've had a lot of conversations about the measuring impact, and it's, it is one of the trickiest things to do at key stage three level, yeah. um, unless you keep this exactly the same test um, year on year, which we, we, we don't, you know, we're trying to get to a point where we know that that is the test that we want to use, but at the moment, while the curriculum is still developing, um, we're not quite there yet. Um, so trying to trying to measure impact in terms of raw data, really tough at Key Stage 3. Um, I mean, we've, we've had lots of success in the UK Maths Challenge, because, yeah. and I think that, that was a great reason to celebrate, really, because yeah. one of the things that we were asked lots of questions about when we moved to mixed attainment was, are we stretching the top end? Yeah. Um, we've just had this year's results in, and we've probably some of our best results that we've ever had in terms of students, you know, the awards that they won and the getting to progress on to the further rounds in the Maths Challenge as well. And that's so year seven and eight. That's year it? seven and eight, yeah. 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 So that's, that's, a, that's a small indication mm -hmm. that in terms yeah. of those students working at the very top level, they are still being stretched and challenged in, within the mixed attainment sets. Anecdotally, what, what I've seen when it comes to assessments um, is that a lot of the fear that I've seen in, in other year groups of going in to sit a, a more formal assessment just isn't there. Um, and I think that's because of the way we've prepared them to just look at a problem and, and think about it in different ways. But taking away the fear of failure, this doesn't happen with all students, but it's definitely you can see that, that trying to take away that fear of failure, everything that they do wrong is just leading them to, to, the, to the correct answer. Um, that's what we've, done. we've taken away marks, um, which is one of the things we've introduced this year, so they don't actually see a result of an assessment. We'll, we'll, we'll use that data. Um, but all we're interested in them seeing is whether there's anything that they can learn from it. So any, any mistake they make on an assessment just, just feeds about the feedback process. They don't get a score at the end of it, and I think that takes away a lot of the fear from, from sitting in assessment. So finally, what sort of time scale are you looking at for, for this? Are you thinking 
you know, this is a 10-year venture, or can you give me an idea of the sort of time context you're thinking in the context of this school? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because we've been now, we're sort of three, four years into um, our implementation of it. And every time that we think we're there with something, something will come up. So we're already thinking about what our next steps are for, for next year. Um, we feel like we're, we're providing really well for the, the higher attainers in those groups. What can we be doing now to support the, the lower previous attainers um, in, in those groups? So are we making sure we're doing enough for those? Uh, the journaling, it's is, is worked really well, but the problem with any teaching and learning model is if you're too reliant on it, do the, the students start to become a little bored with it? So how can we, how can we vary the different parts? Are we can keep this model that we, we believe is working, but how can we vary up different, different parts of that? So that's, that's ongoing forever. Um, getting the staff buy-in, that, that's, I think that's where you've done really well here, is to, to bring in gradually the different things. If you try to yeah. just shoehorn everything in, in, in one year, it's, it's not going to happen. So I think that's the key. It's, it's, you can't, if you try and do it in one year, it's, it's overloaded. You, know, yeah. you do have to work with, with your team, and you, have to bring, you, you, need, you need to bring people along at their at their own pace, uh, you know. Yeah. Obviously, you've got you've got your vision, and you want to try and drive that forward. But you still got to work. You work with the team that you've got, yeah. um, and I think that's really important. Is valuing the you know the different characters on your team and their, their strengths, and, um, and making sure that all feeds into the process. Must be development. development. Get is, them to is. come up with the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the um, what they need to to go on yeah. and find out. I think I think, <laughs> I think for us, uh, you know, we we feel that probably we've got one more year. Um, so, so let's say we're three years in. We we've done bits and pieces before. Now let's say we're three years in. I think we've got one more year to, to get a system in place at Penrise that we're highly confident in. Yeah. Um, but after that, what we really want to do is start working with the primary schools because what we're finding is there's lots of topics that they're coming to us with that um, they've covered at, prim at primary school, and it's just whether or not they've covered them to the right degree of depth so that we know that we can then just take that and build on that instantly. Um, so that'll be the next stage of the project, 2021. Okay, we'll come back in a year or two's time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For now, Matt and Gerald, thanks very much. Yeah, Brilliant. thank you. Thank Cheers. you. So that was Matt Smith and Gerald Parry at Penrice Academy in St Austell. And that was the last NCTM podcast for the summer term of 2019. You can actually see a video version of that podcast on the NCTM website if you'd like to see what the two teachers look like. But what they say is exactly the same as what you've just heard in this podcast. Anyway, we'll be back in September for another school year's worth of podcasts. Until then, goodbye.